invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 26. Again, thank you for your involvement and attendance this morning in worship. We've had to make some, some adjustments this week, not only to our, our protocols, but also uh, to um, the way that we're doing worship today. So this morning, uh, during our time of our normal offering, we do have a, an offertory song that will be sung. We will not be passing the plates during the offering this morning, but if you want to participate during that time of offering and you have the ability to be able to get up and move, our ushers will be in the back, in the aisles, and you can, during that song, get up and take your gift of offering and place that in the offertory plate should you so choose to do that then. If not, you can do that as you're leaving. You can do that as well. We just wanted to avoid passing the plates this morning, so know that's coming on. We're uh, we're going to... Add a corporate prayer time in uh, Southern Baptist Convention this week. Our Southern Baptist Convention leaders had called upon churches to make today a day of prayer over this pandemic and and over us as Christ followers and how we should respond. And so that's going to be coming at the culmination of our message this morning as we enter into a time of corporate prayer together. So thank you for your flexibility with all of these things. It's been very funny today to watch people. Have you ever noticed? that you, you really don't pay attention to how many hands you shake until all of a sudden you're not supposed to shake hands, right? And to see some people who've never had to kind of do the fist bump or the elbow bump kind of walk up and go, uh, how do we do that? Some, some swing and misses on the elbow bump. So it's cool. And, and like my wife said yesterday, we never really realized how much we touch our face until they tell you not to touch your face, right? Um, you know, my beard itches all the time, so I'm constantly touching, but... Um, we're having to make a lot of adjustments, and uh, we're going to talk about that some today from God's Word, because the last few weeks have been some of the most unusual and concerning days that many of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. Certainly, many of us have experienced times of national and international upheaval before, um, and some of those are permanently embedded within our memory. I think the first one that comes to mind for all of us is obviously the events of September 11, 2001. For those of us who are probably above the age of 25 or 30, we can vividly remember and feel the fear and the weight that accompanied that Tuesday morning when, when all our nation went into upheaval. And we can remember what it felt like for probably the next six to seven days as, as things were very uncertain and we felt a sense of, 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 of a lack of security in many ways. We can remember that. Those who are old enough and have told me over the years can still remember what it was like in those days of grief following December 7th, 1941 and the bombing of Pearl Harbor and what that felt like in our nation. I've spoken to many people in my lifetime about the national grief that followed the assassination of President John F. Kennedy and what the nation went through during that, not only that event, but the days following that. And many of our African-American brothers and sisters feel the same sense of deep grief and fear following the days of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Those were, those were events that had dramatic impact on our nation at the time. And this is also not the first time that as a people we've seen and felt the impact of worldwide plagues and pandemics. From 2002 to 2004, we experienced the SARS outbreak, primarily over in Taiwan in that particular area. It didn't really impact our culture deeply. In 2012, we, we heard about the spread of the MERS disease, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome that was beginning to advance. But again, that tends, tended, seemed to be more contained and didn't really affect a whole lot of people where we live. 
And, and so we, we didn't quite feel that same urgency when the coronavirus outbreak began to happen. But I think many of us would agree that the events and the reports that we have seen regarding this virus known to us now very well as COVID-19 or coronavirus, that the events within the last month have surprised many of us. Most of us had never even heard of the word coronavirus just a few weeks ago. And few of us barely batted an eyelash when we heard that there was an outbreak of a virus in the Wuhan province of China that had infected and killed hundreds at the time. Many of us thought, well, that's, that's pretty bad. But none of us thought that the number one topic of conversation within a couple of weeks on social media around office water coolers and living rooms would be the coronavirus. And yet, we've seen dramatic upheaval within the last three weeks. The, there's been dramatic uncertainty in the worldwide economic markets. Our own stock market has looked like the new roller coaster at Six Flags with the, with the vast majority of that trend being downward over the last two weeks. I never thought we would see a day when the entire sports and entertainment industry would be shut down within 48 hours. Concert festivals were suddenly canceled. All major professional sports were suspended. All collegiate athletics have been suspended or canceled. And even when some of this was happening earlier in the week, I put on my Facebook page that I had no idea this year the term March Madness would have absolutely nothing to do with basketball. Almost every education institution has had to make dramatic adjustments to their plans in the last two weeks. Colleges and seminaries have canceled all on-campus teaching and instruction and have moved all those instruction to online portals for the remainder of the semester. Local school administrators and teachers are scrambling to create lesson plans and instructions that students can take home with them in seclusion for two to three weeks. We've even seen that in our own city in the last 48 hours. On the local level, supermarkets and grocery stores are having trouble suddenly keeping the staples in stock because of a concern about the possibility of a national or statewide quarantine. And very few of us had any concept three weeks ago that the most valuable commodity in the United States of America would be toilet paper. Friday morning, I, I, my wife had left me a list to go to the grocery store to get, and I had decided that I was going to make uh, a soup that night, and I needed to pick up a few extra items. And so I went to Walmart to pick up those things on my wife's list and those extra items, and suddenly found myself engulfed in, in chaos as I looked around and saw that many of the shelves, not only of toilet paper, but many other things were looking very, very empty, and it suddenly hit me. I, I'm not fearful, but I better buy some groceries because there's not going to be anything here in the next couple of days. My kids are going to be eating a lot of spam in the next couple of days, which is good because we like that, okay? A month ago, I never envisioned that I would actually be having text conversations about the possibility of canceling church worship gatherings in our city. Even last night, I'm, on, I'm part of a, of a group of, of several pastors within our city that we just kind of have started encouraging and networking together, and my phone has blown up over the last 48 hours by those brothers in Christ in, in churches, some of whom had to make a decision last night at 9 o'clock that they were not going to be able to have worship service this morning. 
And, and, and I never thought that we would be in this shape. It wasn't even on my radar a few weeks ago uh, that not only us but other leaders in our city would have to cancel our worship gatherings. And there's a very real possibility that we will have to do that going forward as well. So where in the midst of national and international crisis and chaos, where do we turn as a church for comfort, for peace, for direction, and for guidance? Where, where can we find some sense of normalcy in the midst of abnormality? How are we supposed to respond when, like the rest of our fellow citizens, we are suddenly thrust into powerful and uncertain events of which we have little to no control. So yesterday I began to think about this and I began to look and change to what I was going to preach today. And I want you to look at a passage with me that the Lord led to me really through reading a couple of blogs about how we as a church should respond. And, and one of those passages that was mentioned in there really resonated with me and it's found in the book of Isaiah chapter 26. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to put the verses up here in just a second. But let me give you some background on the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a book in which God speaks through a prophet named Isaiah to tell his people about the impending judgment that is about to happen to the nation of Israel by the powerful Assyrian army. God is about to judge His people in Israel because of decades of spiritual unfaithfulness and idolatry within them. And because they have continued to, to be idolatrous, because they've continued to worship false gods, because they've continued to turn their backs on Him, God is about to bring judgment to His people in the form of an invading army of pagans who are about to ravage their land and destroy much of what they see. And God's forewarning them that this is going to come. But in the midst of this prophecy about impending judgment, Isaiah also continually comforts God's people that He will rescue them through, eventually, the provision of Messiah and through one who will lead His people safely through dark days. That comfort is the basis for the text that we will read in Isaiah chapter 26 today. That's the background, is in the midst of chapters and chapters of prophecy about how God is not only going to judge Israel, but He's going to judge the other wicked nations around them. In the midst of that, He gives hope for a remnant of people who still trust in God and are faithful to Him. So I want us to read the first four verses of Isaiah chapter 26, where He says, In that day this song will be sung in the land of of Judah. And the song is, we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting what a great word. These verses are a soothing balm for anxious souls. These verses are a waterfall of grace to hearts that are fearful and restless in the midst of calamity that is surrounding them. 
And so when we read these verses today, especially verses 3 and 4, I want, us to, I want us to find comfort from God's Word that God will keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on Him and when we trust in Him. And that we know that no matter what calamity is going on in the events surrounding us, that we can trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So let's read these words today, but let's do more than just read these words. Let's do more than just go, that's a really cool verse. Let's put it on a social media graphic. But let's embed these words deep into our hearts as we, as the people of God, face the uncertainty of the next few days. And with that in mind, real quickly, I want to give you just a few brief thoughts about this passage and from the rest of the whole counsel of God's Word about how we as gospel people can give a gospel witness in the face of a global pandemic. How we respond in the face of national alarm. And the first of those, I would tell you, is that we need to ground our hearts in the rock-solid truth of God's sovereign power and purposes. Let me say that again because it's not on the screen. We need to ground our hearts in the rock-solid truth of God's sovereign power and purposes. Look again in Isaiah 26.3 when it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know, what we, read, what we need right now is perfect peace in the midst of chaos and uncertainty. And where does this perfect peace come from? What does Isaiah say? He says that there is perfect peace that is available for us as God's people, but that perfect peace comes from a mind that is stayed or grounded in God's Word. That perfect peace comes from a heart that trusts in God when chaos and calamity is happening all around him or her. The only way that we can experience perfect peace when everything around us is chaotic is to stay our hearts and our minds on who God is and to remember that our God is sovereign and that he always accomplishes his purposes in our life. The people spoken of in this passage had not yet experienced the events that the prophet was predicting. God had already been speaking over several chapters about the ugliness of sin within the nation of Israel and the surrounding nations. He had already spoken about impending judgment that he would send by his hand. Yet in the midst of those dark and disturbing messages of the calamity that was to come, God speaks of a people who will experience perfect peace because their hearts will not be grounded in the chaos of their circumstances, but their hearts would be grounded in a firm trust in the Lord. And as I have said several times in Facebook posts and here in the church the last couple of weeks, we serve and worship a God who is sovereign over every molecule, microbe, and atom in this universe. And there is not one inch of this planet that is outside of the sovereign rule and power of Almighty God. And viruses that reach global pandemic status may be alarming to us, but they do not catch our God by surprise. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself predicted in Luke chapter 21, verse 11, that there would be an increase in plagues and pestilences as we grow closer to the return of Christ. 
Events like we are experiencing today will become even more commonplace in the future. Maybe not in the near future, maybe not in our lifetime. But you think that this is alarming, just wait as we get closer and closer and closer to the return of Christ. God, even the scriptures tell us, often used plagues and famines as instruments of judgment on nations in order to demonstrate His power and to bring people to repentance. We know of the plagues that He brought in the book of Exodus on the people of Egypt. And in Jesus' day, we even see the Lord Jesus Christ ministering to people in the midst of a plague known as leprosy, which had affected hundreds of people in His region. And we saw that our Lord has power over that disease. And it's a reminder to us that our Lord Jesus Christ has power over every single disease on this planet. We, while we know from the testimony of Scripture that God sometimes uses plagues as a sign of judgment, we simply don't have enough evidence or wisdom to know at this point whether what we are experiencing in our world is a judgment from God or simply the result of living in a fallen world where bacteria and viruses can cause great destruction at any time. We have no idea. We may not know for, for decades. We may not know even into eternity whether this is a form of judgment or whether this is just the natural result of living in a fallen and broken world. What we can know is that none of what we are experiencing is outside of the knowledge and power of a great and sovereign God. We can know that. And we know that God's people are called to rest our hearts and minds in the Lord and in His sovereign purposes no matter the circumstances that surround us. Our God did not abandon His throne because a fast-spreading virus entered within the borders of our nation. God's purposes for us as His people remain. And we may have to make some adjustments to things that we do in the interim, but we rest our hearts in the Lord, not in our government, not in our medical professionals, and not in the comfort of our surrounding circumstances. We rest our hearts in the Lord. And so, let's ground our hearts in the rock-solid truth of God's sovereign power and purposes in our lives, even when we're going through chaos. Secondly, let's be concerned and be wise, but don't be fearful and anxious. Let's be concerned, let's be wise, but let us not be fearful or anxious. Certainly any news of potential viruses rapidly spreading illnesses around us is enough to cause unrest and to cause all of us to evaluate and adjust our practices going forward for the next few weeks. I still remember, it's not in my notes, just thinking about it, I still remember what happened when suddenly on a Friday night at 8 o'clock, I started experiencing violent chills and fever and it entered into my mind, I might have malaria. <laughs> nah. I took, I took medication before I left. I didn't take it quite as much as I should have when I came back like I was supposed to, but I had taken it for four weeks. I didn't remember having a mosquito that bit me at the time. 
I thought, nah, I just got some kind of stomach bug. I'll be over it. Next day, 103.9 fever. <laughs> Monday morning, 103.9 fever, going to the ER and, and telling them, you probably ought to test me for malaria. Even the, the ER doctor and the nurses, ah, you probably don't have that, but we'll test it anyway. And then suddenly when the test came positive, not only did, did my whole family go crazy, but the whole hospital went crazy. Three doctors coming in, a, a, a hospitalist in, you know, admitting me, an infectious disease doctor, because we don't get much malaria in North Alabama, right? And people texting me and worrying, and, and, and man, I hope pastor's okay. And I felt terrible. Jamie will tell you, he came to see me at the hospital, and he came at the absolute worst time he could have possibly come, because I was shaking and feeling bad. But when I got done, people were asking me afterwards, how are you feeling? You okay? And, and you know, are you, you, know, you going to ever go back to Africa? And my response has been every single time, absolutely. I can't wait till I go back again. I know that every time I go to Africa, the possibility of getting a malaria is a very real possibility. And I need to be concerned and I need to be wise and I need to make sure that I stay on my regimented treatment when I come back. But I have no question whatsoever about going to Africa where there's the possibility of getting malaria. Because my life is not going to be controlled by fear and anxiety. My life is going to be controlled by faith in a sovereign God. I want you to turn for a moment to Mark chapter 4. We'll come back to Isaiah chapter 26 in a second. But I want us to look at Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41. And I want you to remember, do you remember when Jesus and his disciples were out in a boat in the middle of a of the Sea of Galilee, and they were suddenly thrown into a great storm. And do you remember the reaction of Jesus to his disciples? Remember how they responded and how Jesus responded in return? I think it's a very real parallel in this passage to what they experienced and kind of what we're experiencing in our, in our nation right now. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Nothing abnormal about that. Leaving the crowd, they took, with, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher... Do you not care that we are perishing? Wrong question to ask. And he awoke, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. <laughs> the only thing more scary than the, than the chaos of the storm around you is understanding that, that the one who calms the wind and the waves is in the boat with you. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What we see in this passage is that the disciples of Jesus were suddenly caught in a crisis of faith due to the sudden change of circumstances that they didn't see coming. Let's remember that th many of these disciples were composed of seasoned fishermen who had, who had been on the Sea of Galilee all their lives, and they knew how to look for storms on the sea. And these fishermen would have known 
whether or not a storm was coming. And if they believed that they were about to sail into danger, they likely would have advised against going across the sea. None of them knew when they pushed off from the shore that a tempest would suddenly arise that could possibly sink them all. And in the midst of that tempest, these seasoned fishermen, how did they respond when all of a sudden the storm started filling the boat? They responded with fear and anxiety. They even accused the Lord Jesus of not caring about what was happening in the moment. Did you see that? Don't, do you not even care that we are perishing? Their world turned upside down and their immediate response was fear that led them to forget about the power of God and to question whether God himself even cared. Prior to this, these men had seen Jesus do amazing miracles, cleansing a man who had leprosy, healing a man who was paralyzed, and healing a man in the synagogue who had a withered hand. And yet, with the evidence of those great miracles before them, they allowed their circumstances to lead them down a path of doubt and fear and anxiety. It's very natural for all of us. Jesus responded by calming the wind and the waves and rebuking not only the storms, but his disciples for their lack of faith in him during that moment. And he asked them, what is the basis for their fear? He pointed out to them that they were acting in fear of what they couldn't control instead of faith in the one who could control all things. And I think we find ourselves in a very similar place as these disciples in our days. Because a pandemic storm has appeared that none of us saw coming. And we have watched as the winds have grown stronger and now suddenly people in our state and the areas around us are contracting this virus. Fear is gripping the nation. Fear is gripping our local communities. People are filled with anxiety. We're asking ourselves, do we even go to the grocery store to buy much needed supplies and take the chance that we contract a virus in the process? Do we ask people to come to work because our businesses must still operate? Or do we shut everything down for two to three weeks knowing that we will take substantial financial losses for doing so? We even having to ask, do we actually suspend church worship gatherings in order to keep a virus from spreading? These are not easy questions that we face, but face them we must. And we must face them with wisdom and faith, not fear and anxiety. There is nothing unspiritual about making contingency plans. That's not unspiritual, that's wisdom. And there is nothing unfaithful about a church deciding that it's in our best interest not to have gatherings. That's wisdom. I would remind you of Philippians chapter 4, where Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. And he says rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Even when the coronavirus is out your back door. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And that peace, there it is again, that peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So people of God, let's be concerned about what's going on around us and let's be wise. But let's not be people whose responses are filled with fear and anxiety. Thirdly, let us commit, as the people of God, to be people of prayer and agents 
of gospel service. In light of these things, let us commit to be people of prayer and agents of gospel service. Look back again at Isaiah chapter 26, 3, where the prophet says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Trust in the Lord forever. Verse 4. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You know when trust in God is most visibly demonstrated? Trust in God is most visibly, visibly demonstrated when we publicly demonstrate to the world that we are a people of prayer. The way that we demonstrate trust in our God is to show the people of this world that we have a God who controls all things and to whom we can go during this time. That's why I'm grateful that our Southern Baptist Church leaders had the foresight to say this Sunday needs to be a time of prayer. And that's what we're going to observe in just a second. In Philippians 4, Paul tells us not to be anxious. And the lack of anxiety is a sign of trust in God. But he follows that by calling us to take everything to God in prayer. The best thing that we as God's people can do in the face of a global pandemic is to pray. The best thing we can do is to get on our knees before our great sovereign and loving God and intercede on behalf of ourselves and our neighbors during these days. We need to remember that we, it's, not, it's not accidental, it's not just happenstance, that we began this year with one verse that we were setting out to be the theme for our church going forward, Jeremiah chapter 29, 7, which says, Seek the welfare of the city to which I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. If there was ever a time... For that to be a call to action for us as the church, now is the time. We are to pray to the Lord on behalf of the city where God has sent us. And we are to be a people of prayer and service to the people around us. And so we are to pray. But we are not just to pray, we are to serve. And we are to remember that our call to be a people of great commission witness and agents of gospel service does not take a hiatus when global pandemics break out. God said to His people through the prophet Jeremiah, not just to be a people of prayer, but to be a people of action, to seek the welfare of the city to which we have been sent, and to look for ways to be agents of gospel service to the community and to one another. And so as church leaders, we are discussing and looking for ways to make that happen. What we are going to go through in the next couple of weeks is going to be a community effort. And we will need everyone's help. We need to find ways to serve the elderly in our church and in our community during this time. Because they are the ones that are most vulnerable. And so now would be a good time for those of us who, who have connection to the elderly in our church to be contacting them and to be offering to go to the grocery store for them or to go to the pharmacy for them. And if you're in that at-risk category for this disease, don't be too proud to call your church and to say, would it be possible for us to find somebody to go to the grocery store to pick me up some items? I'll go myself if I have to. Our staff will go. Our deacons will serve. Now is the time for us to serve one another. And for those of us who maybe have elderly living close to us that don't go to church, 
Now's the time to reach into their lives and to say, what are some things that I can do for you? How can I serve you? How can I take care of you? My father-in-law told me a story last night about, he had heard about a, a man who had gone to a grocery store in his community. And while he was checking out, there was a man behind him who was obviously distraught. He was wearing clothes that were evidence that he'd been working outdoors and he seemed to be really worried. He got in a conversation with him and asked him what was going on. The guy said, well, yeah, my job is basically laying us off for the next two to three weeks and I, don't, and I, I just got to figure out how I'm going to feed my family. And the man in front of him not only paid for his groceries but took out a gift card in order to provide groceries for that man and his family for the next month. We need to look for ways to serve the people in our community over the next few weeks. We're talking about ways to serve the parents of children who are going to have to make adjustments to them being out of school for the next few weeks. And we may need to use the resources that we've set aside to provide food or other means to take care of them. We may need to contact the local crisis ministries to figure out how we can help with local distribution of food or other items. Because you see, now is not the time to hoard resources. Now is the time to share our resources with others and to serve them well. Certainly, we need to make adequate preparations for ourselves and our family during this time. If you didn't get a chance to go to the grocery store, I invite you to come to my house and have some spam this week. But we need to remember that there are people in need of us all around us that we are called to serve. And nowhere can the church be more the hands and feet of Jesus than right now. So let us commit to being a people of prayer, faith-fueled prayer, and gospel-soaked service to our community. And we will try to alert you as those options come up through our social media and email contacts to let you know some ways that we can serve, some, some things that can happen. It's a fluid situation. So keep connected to us through Facebook and through um, our email. We're going to close the service today by entering into a time of corporate prayer. And not only has our president and our Southern Baptist church leaders called us to, uh, to spend some time in prayer, but I think it's the best thing that we as the people of God can do. And so we're going to enter into just a few moments of corporate prayer, and I've asked some leaders in our church to help lead us through this time. And so what we're going to do is this. If you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes, and in just a few moments, we're, I'm going to ask you as a people to spend about 30 seconds in prayer over a particular thing that I'll explain to you. And then after that, one of our church leaders will come and lead us in a short prayer over that. And we're going to do this for, for five different things, five different areas. And then at the culmination of that, we will have our offertory song. First thing we're going to pray for is we need to pray for the stop of this coronavirus. And we need as Christians to ask God in His mercy to stop this pandemic and to save lives, not only in our communities, but around the world, particularly in places that are the most ill-equipped to deal with this virus. And so where you are, would you just pray? If you have a spouse and you want to pray, the two of you together, or if you just want to pray silently where you are, would you take about 30 seconds just to pray and to beseech our God to stop the spread of this virus? Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we echo the truth of the fact that you know every molecule and cell of every uh, every place on not only this planet but to the ends of the universe that we don't even know exist. And we, in light of that truth, in light of the fact that you are all-knowing and sovereign, we ask and plead before you bring a stop to this virus. God, we ask that you would halt it in its tracks. It has no power over you. You have complete and utter power over it, and we ask that you would stop, stop the spread of this. We ask in places, um, God, that are susceptible. Friends of mine in Kenya, I know Matt has acquaintances in Uganda, places where health care is not readily available. We ask, God, that you would bring it to a halt. And, God, we ask that you, in the midst of that, God, that we would see your hand and we could say, this is the work of the God of the universe. May he be glorified in it. We love you and praise you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Now, as a people, would you take a few moments to pray for our national, state, and local leaders? Let us take about 30 seconds to pray for not only our President Donald Trump, but as well our government leaders on both the international, federal, state, and local levels. And let's pray for them to have the wisdom to direct us as a people in the best course of action for prevention and care. And so would we take just a few moments to pray for our leaders? Father, we thank you, Lord, for opportunity to be here today, and Father, I thank you for these that have come this way, Lord, seeking a word from you. Father, I ask you to forgive me for not lifting our leaders nationally at state level and local level up as much as I need to, Father. I fall short in that area. But Father, today we just ask you to be with our president and all the people that are surrounding him, Father. I pray, Lord, that he may feel your presence, that he may not lean on his own understanding, Father, but reach out, seek your wisdom, Father. Have the humility to accept the word from you and the people around him, Father. Father, we ask the same for Governor Ivey, the people here that lead us in our state father we ask your um, direction and wisdom to to be a part of mayor tab's decision making our city council and our local government i pray lord that uh, they would just lead us and direct us in the way that we should go father we just pray that um, you would be very real in their lives at this time. Father, that they would uh, lean on 
you for the decisions that they make that impact our whole country, around the world, our state, and our local government. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, you're already working in lives. People are being saved because of this, Father. Again, the opportunity to stop what they're doing and focus on you, Father. And I just pray that we would continue to do that in the days to come. Father, I pray that the people around us would see the hope that rests in us and be impacted by it, Lord. Father, we don't understand these things, Father. We also know, Lord, that we're not home yet. We live in a world that's fallen. And one day, Lord, all things will be made right. But until then, Father, we're going to trust in you. And we're going to trust that you're going to take care of us, Father. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Lord, the name that could be spoken and this virus be healed with just one word. And we just ask you to forgive us where we fall short. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Right now we have thousands of people in our medical community that are attending to these people who are ill and certainly those who are working within our Centers for Disease Control and other agencies. So I want us to spend about 30 seconds to pray for them as they respond to this crisis. Let's pray for our doctors and nurses to have personal protection from the spread of the virus as well as wisdom and strength as the number of patients continues to grow. So let's pray for our medical professionals as well as those who are working within our disease centers. Let's pray for them. Father, we just thank you that we can come into your presence in the name of Jesus, and we praise your holy name. We're so thankful, Father, for your grace and mercy. And Father, we seek to intercede for our health care workers, Father, for those, the first responders, Father, the, the nurses, the doctors, the pharmacists, the, those, those folks, Father, that are involved in housekeeping that have to clean up the sheets and empty the trash cans of these rooms, Father, where we have patients that, that are suffering from this coronavirus. We, Father, we just pray for your protection for them. And we do pray, Father, for their... We pray that they would have the strength to, to continue in their ministry. We know they have to work long days, long hours, Many of these hospitals are overcrowded, clinics. And uh, Father, we just ask that you would uh, give them strength and, and patience during this time and wisdom, Father, to know uh, how to treat each individual. And Father, we know they have family at home and help them, Father, to balance the time between work and, and their family time. Father, we ask uh, that you be with uh, folks at CDC and others that are searching for a vaccine uh, to protect us from this virus. 
ask that you would give them wisdom to, to make that and be swift about it, Father, to bring it as soon as possible. And we pray for those that are manufacturing, those that are involved in developing the test and manufacturing the test, that there would be enough of those, Father, that would be available that we could be able to monitor the spread of the virus. And Father, we uh, have faith in your sovereignty and we praise you for your answered prayers and we pray this in the name of Jesus, that your will would be done. We have uh, missionaries right now that are serving in some very difficult places around the globe. And so I want us to take just a few seconds to pray for our missionaries and their families that not only would God provide protection from them acquiring the virus, but also that God would use this as an opportunity for them to advance the gospel in those areas that are underserved with the gospel. And so let's take about 30 seconds to pray for our missionaries, both with the International Mission Board as well as other mission agencies during this time. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence in this place this morning. I thank you for leading me to a church that is mission-minded and you know that you can't hardly get away from what I learn in the scriptures without having a heart for the people locally and around the world that, that are lost and, and need the touch of, of your, your hand in their lives. I thank you for the opportunity all the opportunities that our church has had to reach out both here in the United States, uh, also in countries, Uganda, uh, Guatemala, and others. Father, I thank you for these people that uh, have devoted their lives to the mission field. And I know um, in talking to various people that have been on the mission field before that, you know, they may have a parent in one country and kids in school in another country and they're working in yet a third country and maybe none of those is their home country of the United States. And whenever you're dealing with that and your loved ones are a plane ride away, you know, you just have to make the, they have to make the decision that the work that you've put them in is important and they have to stay there to minister, minister to the, the people where you've planted them. I think of all the different cultures that these different countries will, will cross and you know, the, one country may handle the coronas, coronavirus one way and another country may handle it in another way and as they try to um, work with their loved ones and, and, and check on their loved ones that, you know, they, they may have to deal with some of that. Um, you know, things may be locked down one place and maybe too, too open in another. And they'll just need your guidance and to, to, to walk that tightrope between 
you know, staying where they are or, or maybe going and checking on a potentially sick loved one. I thank you for the work that they're doing. You know, just um, recent weeks we've heard from the pulpit all the, the wonderful things that are, do, that are being accomplished in, in countries across this world. And I mean, even, even countries like Iran where we would not expect a lot of, of salvation being taken place, that, that your work is there. And at some point there, there, there needs to be people that understand the gospel and know the gospel and can teach the gospel so that these new Christians, wherever they may be, may understand what it truly means to be saved and why we need to be saved and the meaning of salvation in our lives and the, and the call to, to serve once we are saved. So please, each and every one of these, these missionaries that we're lifting up to you, I pray for their health and I pray for their safety and I pray for your guidance in their lives as they seek the best way to continue what you've um, placed in their lives to do as they continue to do it. Christ's name we pray. Finally, let us as people pray for the expansion of the gospel witness during this time. There's no better time in the, in the life of the church to be able to share the gospel than in days of crisis. And the scripture tells us to teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom. And so let us pray that the Lord will give us wisdom in this moment of fear and that others would realize not only how fragile life is, but how real eternity is and see their need to turn to God. I will lead us during this time of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather as your people today, and we thank you for uh, the hope that we have in the gospel, and we pray that during this time of crisis that the gospel would not be silenced, but that the gospel would be fruitful. God, we pray that you would give us wisdom to know how to speak into people's lives during these days. God, that you would give us gospel conversations. I thank you for the gospel conversation I had this week with Charles. God, I thank you that you're working in his heart, and I pray you would bring him to salvation, and I pray you would give me another opportunity very soon to speak into his life the hope of Christ. And Father, I pray that the gospel witness would expand not only here in the city of Decatur, but around the world, that many who suddenly feel a sense of hopelessness would come into contact with somebody who has the hope of Christ and be able to speak that into their lives and give them the faith to believe in what you have done. God, help us to be agents of gospel witness and service during these days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to close our service with uh, our offertory time. And so Ms. Phyllis is going to be leading us in a very appropriate song for today. And if you feel so led, if you came and you have not had an opportunity to, to place your tithes and offerings already, you can do so in, the, in, in the, um, the back of the service. And then at the close of the song, I'll dismiss us today, okay? <laughs>